Welcome back to 600 East Pinal Paso Sports Talk. I'm your host for today, Lane Frank. I know your regular host, Steve Kaplitz, Adrian Bras, out of the studio today. So today, I'll be hosting it. You may have heard my voice on here before. Hosted this show once back in February on it weekly for my NFL picks and a few other things. Today, my co-host, Uteb Zay, over across from me. Zay? Let's do this, man. I'm ready. We got a great show planned for you all. We're going to have a few guests Tim Haggerty, he's going to talk some baseball with us, Chihuahua's announcer. Lou Romano to talk some NFL, give us some picks. And John Teicher at the end of the 5 o'clock hour in this two-hour show today. So get ready for this. You ready, Zay? I'm ready. Um, I'm, I was just thinking about you know, the last time we hosted a show. It went great. You know, We got great feedback, so let's do it again. For sure, yeah. That was super fun. I'm ready for this. So, um, you know, what are we going to start the day off? You know, we got to start off with something spicy. I think we got to start off with maybe a little MLB playoffs. MLB playoffs going on right now. We have Astros versus Rangers right now. I think it's one nothing, Astros. So yeah, it's gonna be that's an interesting series because Rangers were my World Series prediction. I picked that on my show, Schoolyard Sports. I said Rangers are gonna win the World Series beginning of the playoffs, and now that prediction kind of fizzling out a little bit. Astros are about to go up. Maybe it seems like three two. Astros went down two zero, lost all momentum, and now they're getting all this momentum back. I think Max Scherzer starting that game three for the Rangers kind of hurt them a little bit because. Things have been going great without Max Scherzer. Now you want to throw him into the fire of a Game 3 playoff game. I think that's detrimental for maybe a guy who could have started in that game and just the whole entire team. So now it's 2-2. Might go down 3-2, heading back to Houston. That's struggling right there. And for the NLCS side of things, Philadelphia Phillies, this is the most exciting team in sports right now. And it's baseball. You don't think it's going to be exciting. They are exciting. It seems like they're going power swing every time, hitting home runs. Kyle Schorber, Castellanos, Bryce Harper, they have power hitters. Sometimes, hitting doesn't always work. Atlanta Braves. For the Phillies right now, it's working. And they've got the best fan base in sports right now. In the Phillies, Citizens Bank Park, what a stadium. They've got that behind them right now. So, Jose, let me get your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, you talk about you know an exciting team to watch. They're a really fun team to watch. And they make baseball fun, right? They make it entertaining. And you know, it might be a hot take for me, but I think Major League Baseball, I think their playoffs, you know, I think it may be better than a lot of other leagues. And... Um, it's just the crowd, everything, the atmosphere. There's nothing like it. And uh, like you said, the Astros, Rangers, Game Five. It doesn't matter what sport you're winning. Any Game Seven, in any in any seven game series, Game Five is huge. So I'm really excited. Um, hopefully, I can catch some of these games. I haven't been able to catch a lot of playoff games today. I mean, this year. Yeah, for sure. And something interesting that the MLB does that NBA doesn't, NHL doesn't, is that you get Game Six and Seven at home instead of flipping five from one side and then six to the uh, not home, uh, home field advantage. That's a little bit interesting right there. Home field advantage, which in this case would be the Astros, they will get game six and seven, something you don't see in the NBA. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, I don't know how much I like that. I think I like the, you know, the NBA the format. Yeah, I think it's just, it makes it a little more funner. But I could say, you know, game six and seven being, you know, having home field advantage for that, I guess it does give more of an incentive to have a better regular season, stuff like that. For sure. And this season, you know, it's been interesting for the MLB. Last season, we obviously had the lockout. You know, things got off to a different note. But for this season, things have been, seems like the best teams in the MLB, they had the most days off, Orioles, Dodgers, and Braves. We saw all three of them get eliminated. So every team that got by, except the Houston Astros, is now eliminated. And that's what a Lambert's manager said. He said, Brian Snicker said, you know, I don't think it worries me so much about having these days off because look at the Astros. They can win with these days off. Do you think that builds a little bit of rust in some of these hitters? It could be, but you know, I just think um, baseball. It's it's a game of 
game of streaks, right? You know, you see the Dodgers year in and year out. They're one of the best regular season teams. But all it takes is three games and you're out, you know. Exactly. So, you know, it really does bring a lot of parody. And it's really fun for, you know, fans who maybe don't follow the MLB as much to see so much parody, so much cool stuff happening in the Major League Baseball playoffs. Yeah, and it's really interesting to me because for the Dodgers, they had great hitting all season long. But then you look at their pitching lineup, it's game one, Max, uh, Clayton Kershaw, and you say, well, Kershaw, he's not so great in the playoffs. Game two, you're starting Bobby Miller, who's a rookie, you're throwing him to the fire of a game two playoff. Game three, you're starting Lance Lynn, who had a horrible season until he got traded to the Dodgers. And even on the Dodgers, he hasn't been great. So I think losing out in a guy like Julio Urias towards the end of the season, that hurts. And then maybe someone like Trevor Bauer, who could have been on this playoff team, could have been that ace for you, not on this team anymore. So I think that's what the Dodgers were really missing and this past three postseasons getting knocked out very early is not having good pitching. Yeah, you know, and it's they're just exposing, you know, the flaws of the Dodgers front office, right? You have to go out there, you have to get pitching. I think pitching is, I'm not going to say the most important part to a winning team, but, you know, it, it might as well be because you can have a stacked lineup, but, you know, one or two off days from that lineup and boom, now you're down 2-0. So, you know, correct right there. Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, two of the best hitters in baseball, didn't play great in this series. Yeah, it's disappointing to see. You know, I'm I'm a Mookie guy, and it's just it's it's tough to see. He was having a great season, and you know the playoffs come around, and you know that's where the clutch players come out. And maybe Mookie isn't so clutch anymore. I know Mookie Betts, one of the best years we've seen in years in baseball, really struggled in the past few playoffs. Again, you can call the line nine one five five zero five six zero zero nine if you want to join on the action. With Zay and I, we're going to have some great guests, great show coming up. Again, Steve Kapowitz and Adrian Bross out of the studio today. UTEP Zay and I taking over the reins. We want to switch things over to the UTEP football game that we saw on Wednesday. I was at the game. Were you at the game? I was at the game, unfortunately. Unfortunately, you know, friend of this show, Kay McConnell, starting quarterback in that game. All got really excited after we didn't get to FIU last week. Didn't play his sharpest game, but I don't think it was fully on him. I think it might have gone on some of the play calling. Let me get your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, what we've seen from, from UTEP football is, you know, it, it really does come down to play calling. You have a fourth-year head, uh, fourth year starter in Gavin Hardison who he's supposed to make that big-time step up, and he just hasn't. And I think we're finding out now that it may not fully have been on Gavin Hardison. A lot of it goes into the play calling, and um, it's just it's tough. The team has plenty of talent, and it's, it's tough to see them lose like this, especially at home. This is the type of game where you want to see your guy Gavin Hardison, who's a four-year starter, won a big game against New Mexico State, 100th game in this rivalry, first game since 1960 where they're both in the same conference. You just want to see a quarterback like that win this game, and unfortunately he couldn't go in this one. And that's kind of been the story for UTEP all season. It seems like there's been so much hype after what we saw in that 2021 season, what could have been last season, and now this season, just the struggles of it, and then next year maybe a looming rebuild. That's kind of a struggle for for minor fans. Yeah, and you know, depending on how the the rest of this year goes, if you know next year, if UTEP has a new head coach or not, they they they, you of course you're going to have to be in rebuild mode because they're going to be losing so much. But with the transfer portal, it's not as bad as it seems. You just need a guy, a coach, or anybody, you know, a different recruiting philosophy from Dana Dimmel to get this team in a win now position. I don't think it's right to say Dan Dimble should be fired yet, but there are a bunch of situations where this UTEP football team could have been in a position to win some of these games, some of these tight games. Even that 2021 season, you go 7-5, and five, that could have very easily been a 10-2, and 9-3 type of season. But just some games, they couldn't close out. Tough right there for UTEP. 
Yeah, you know, it's just been the same story, you know, for the past three years for UTEP fans, for UTEP football itself is, you know, they put themselves in positions that, you know, it's it's un it's unforced, right? It's it's because of them. They're bad penalties, bad play calls, bad time management, this and the third, and you just want to see that get cleaned up much, much faster. Now there is something interesting that the Myers can look forward to in the next coming months. UTEP basketball. That's something I think minor fans all around town get excited for every season. Year three under Joe Golding. What do you think that brings? It brings excitement. I think everybody's excited. Um, they're going to have their first uh, non-conference uh, tele- nationally televised game against UC Santa Barbara, who's picked to win their conference and the Don Haskins Center, and they're aiming to sell that one out. So a lot of excitement surrounding this team, and especially with you know the woes of the football team, people want something to look forward to, and they have that in UTEP basketball. Let me take a quick break from that Meyer talk. I got breaking news right here. Duke head basketball coach John Shire extended through the 2029 season. After one successful ACC championship winning season for John Shire and the Blue Devils, they're going to give him a contract extension through 2029. Seems like they finally, or not finally, they have their complete successor for Coach K. Well deserved. Well Well deserved. deserved. You know, he's put together a really good freshman class. And, you know, obviously last year they really got, they got hot down the stretch and they dealt with injuries. So they're going to be a really exciting team to watch this year. And it wouldn't be, I mean, I would not be surprised. As a matter of fact, I'd be disappointed if they weren't a one seed. I know. I think they can be a great team this year. Last season wasn't necessarily supposed to be a down year because it still is Duke. They still have those five stars, but it wasn't a full-on five-star class like the year before with Paolo Boncaro few other guys. Last season, first year with head coach Sean Shire, I think they did some great things. And they got a guy in Kyle Filipowski who was the best player in that team. He's returning on this year's team. You bring him back another guy in Tyrese Proctor, another guard in Jer- uh, you bring a guard like Jeremy Kane, Jamie Roach. This Duke team looking like they can be number one in the country. Ranked number two in the preseason poll. Maybe they can be number one at the end of it. Yeah, you know, and I saw a tweet earlier that, you know, the ACC hasn't had a one seed since 2019, and you know Duke. Obviously, they have the potential to to break that. But will will are we saying you know the ACC just isn't what it once was, and could that hold Duke back come Selection Sunday? I think the Big Twelve might be the best conference in basketball right now, especially with the addition of Houston. This is the best basketball conference we could have maybe ever seen this season because you're going to have number one Kansas, Houston, Texas, Kansas State. Now Houston, a lot of great teams. It's a gauntlet. It's a gauntlet day in and day out. You know, if you're a coach in the Big 12, you know, there's no really game that you're circling on your calendar and you're saying that's an easy W because it really isn't. It's going to be tough to go and defeat in that Big 12. It's cannibalism. That's what they always call the Big 10. That's just a college basketball season in a Power 5 conference. Cannibalism because you're playing great teams in and, in, in and out. So just try to get through that season with less than 10 losses. Try to be a one seed. Try to be a two seed. Make that March Madness tournament, which hopefully the UTEP Miners can do this season. Yeah, that'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. And, you know, who knows what'll happen. When I think about the Big 12, the opportunity to add Gonzaga, that just that would make it insane, an insane conference. I think it would, but also when you see Gonzaga go up against a couple of these teams, they don't always win when they play these Power 5 teams. Now they can win some, like they played Kentucky last year, and they throttled Kentucky. But then they play a team like Duke two seasons ago, and they lose that game. They play Alabama, which had Holmgren on that team. They lose that game. March Madness, we see them lose to UConn. See them edge out winning against UCLA. So Gonzaga can prove that they can play with these top guys. They can also recruit on that level now. Mark Few, hopefully he can find himself 
and his Gonzaga Bulldogs into a major conference in the next few seasons. Yeah, they deserve it. And, you know, they, they always schedule tough non-conference. And like you said, there are, you know, they, they falter in big games, especially in the tournament, which is disappointing to see for a team that has so much success. And um, it really brings up the question to ask, you know, is Gonzaga even a mid-major? I would say no, but I mean, technically yes. Of course, by definition they are, but I wouldn't consider them a mid-major in, in that sense. Where do you think UTEP can rank this year among mid, uh, mid-majors? Because you're the UTEP expert. On all this for UTEP football, UTEP basketball, you are UTEP Zay, so let me know. <laughs> you know, they can definitely be, you know, down the stretch. They can get into the top 20, mid-major top 25. Just, you know, the Conference USA is wide open. This is the opportunity to go out there, grab that, get to a conference tournament game, and, you know, just win. Win. That's all UTEP fans are looking for. doesn't matter how you do it. Just get to 20 wins and play in some postseason basketball. And then you do a day of college basketball, transfer portal, NIL, New conferences, realignment, a lot of great things to look forward to for this UTEP Myers. We'll take a break. We'll be back here. Call in number 915-505-6009. Great things coming ahead. We're back. I'm Lynn Frank, host of today's show with Steve Kaplitz and Adrian Bross out of the studio. Co-hosted with me is UTEP Zay. And Zay, we've got a great interview headed for you right now. We've got the voice of El Paso baseball, Tim Haggerty, hopping on with us. Tim, you there? Do we have him on? All right, perfect. Tim, thank you for doing this. Yes, you hear me now, Lane? Yep, thank you. Okay. Perfect. So, first thing I want to talk to you about right here, we've got, obviously, MLB playoffs going on right now, NLCS between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks and Astros and Rangers. These are two drastically different series, you could say. Astros, Rangers could be a little more pitching-based. And then Phillies, Diamondbacks, you got all these power hitters. So, give me your analysis on those two series. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think... The Phillies, first off, this is a couple of years in a row that they haven't won the division, but something just sparks in them in October, and they keep rolling through teams in the playoffs that I think a lot of people didn't expect them to beat. Uh, the Chihuahuas affiliate, the San Diego Padres, last year were one of their victims, uh, made it right to the National League Championship Series before the Phillies beat them. And Arizona, to me, this is very fun, maybe the most fun team in the playoffs. They haven't uh, been this deep into the playoffs for a long time. 2007, they were in the National League Championship Series but got swept by Colorado. Haven't been this far since. And it's really fun for us because uh, it's such a young and up-and-coming Diamondbacks team that many of those guys that are um, in these games now in the National League Championship Series faced the Chihuahuas last month, not just this season, but the Chihuahuas were there in September. Uh, The other day, Emmanuel Rivera played third base. That guy played against the Chihuahuas in September of this year. Exactly. So this is a very young Diamondbacks team, you could say their best player or their leader, Corbin Carroll, is going to run away with the Rookie of the Year. He's been fantastic for them. It's just going to be amazing to see how his career can pan out. Can he be that next Hall of Famer? Can he be that Ken Griffey Jr., the next innovation we've seen in baseball? They're doing great right now. They've got upcoming prospects. Ivan Melendez from El Paso. Let's see if he can make it up to the big leagues at first base. But as you talked about with the Phillies, how they just ignite spark in the postseason, I think it has to do with everything. The fan base, the stadium, in Philadelphia, the hometown, especially the players they have on that team. I know Garrett Stubbs personally, their backup catcher, had him on this show a few months ago. He was explaining it, saying that they just ignite something. The power hitters, the leaders on that team, because everybody seems like a leader on that team. Bryce Harper, Kyle Schorber, Nick Castellanos, they, they spark something, that pitching sparks something. That's why they're on a roll right now. And nice get by you to interview Garrett Stubbs. We saw him in the Pacific Coast League with a number of teams coming up at the Astros. Saw him yep. at Sugarland with Round Rock. Uh, played against the Chihuahuas off and on for years. And I agree with your first comment on uh, Corbin Carroll. I mean, what a tremendous young player. 
And it's interesting, your comparison, Ken Griffey Jr., Carol grew up in the Seattle area, loving the Mariners, uh, was not from a warm weather place, but overcame that and has turned into a tremendous player. I remember a game last year in Reno. Uh, Carol was at third base for Reno versus the Chihuahuas, and there was this pitch in the dirt, and it popped up from the catcher, Luis Camposano, and it wasn't far away from the batter's box. It didn't really go far away from home, but because it popped up in the air, Carroll took off and scored on a pitch that was up in the air right above the right batter's box. It was that close to him, but that's the type of speed that he has. And I agree with you. The thing that's amazing to me, some of these young players in the postseason, Carroll is one, Evan Carter is another. Evan Carter got the news he was going up to the majors while here in El Paso. Uh, last month as well in September. This guy's not only just 21 years old, but he's recently 21. For most of the season, he was only 20. I mean, he's as young as college baseball players, and he's there in the National League Championship Series as one of the best Rangers players, just playing so comfortably. Uh, To me, that is remarkable. I mean, uh, somebody that young who doesn't let the big spotlight affect their heartbeat, these guys are just playing so comfortably. It's pretty impressive. I read an article about Evan Carter the other day saying how he was so underrated coming out of high school, didn't really want to go to the majors out of high school, didn't think he was going to be a baseball player, I think he was going to go into some medical field, gets an offer to go to Duke, plays at Duke, has a great few seasons there, and then he goes over to the Rangers, like you said, gets called up last month, and they don't win that game one without Evan Carter because he makes that game-saving catch, never know what happens, there can be a double, there can be an RBI that scores the Astros that game, and this series could be 3-1 right now if he doesn't make that catch. So Evan Carter, give that to him. For Corbin Carroll side things, he's just been amazing. This is a guy who could have very easily been called up all of last season. They waited to bring him up this season, made one of the smartest moves in maybe baseball history by giving him that eight-year extension before he even really took a meaningful MLB at bat. It's paid off so well. They're going to have him for the next seven years on a relatively not insane deal, not the Fernando Tatis Jr. type of deals, not the Francisco Lindor type of deal. So Credit to the Arizona Diamondbacks for that. They're building something special there. And same with the Texas Rangers with their prospects. Yeah, I I find those contract offers so interesting. Um, On one hand, the player doesn't have life-changing money yet, and they're being offered something like $80 million or above, depending on how much uh, length of the contract is. On the other hand, if they roll the dice, if they gamble, they'd get twice that, maybe three times that in free agency. But... uh, to me, I totally, I am with the players that take the money. Um, you know, th- there's been examples of that here in the AAA world. We see that. We see these type of contract offers. Um, and I think about Corey Lupke. Corey Lupke was a Chihuahua in the early years. And he was a very talented left-handed pitcher. And at a young age, got to the majors. And he was offered a contract, I think it was four years, $12 million dollars. Uh, by baseball standards, that did not blow people away. And he chose to sign it rather than risk going to free agency a couple of years later. Well, Corey Lupke had multiple arm surgeries, and he never really stuck as a major league player based on those arm injuries. But guess what? He's at home in Ohio right now, and he made $12 million. Uh, to me, that's why you take it. It's definitely a smart deal for the player side of things. For someone like Corbin Carroll, he wasn't really betting on himself. If he was betting on himself, he could have waited. He could have waited five years, had a great five first seasons then will be, and then gotten that Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis type of deal, Mike Trout type of deal. But he's going to go with that eight years deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks, get that comfort right there. Another team doing something like that is the Atlanta Braves. They signed Spencer Stratton, Michael Harris, all these guys in their young rookie seasons, and it seems to be really just paying off. So is that the new money ball type of way of baseball? 
paying a prospect before you've even seen them take a meaningful MLB at-bat or pitch? I think so, and I think the Braves are the biggest example of that. A lot of their young core, as you just described, is wrapped up that way, and I don't think that we should ever fault a player for taking what could be a little bit less in career earnings, but it's guaranteed up front. I mean, if somebody said to you today, um, you have a 100% chance of taking $1,000 or a 50% chance of $2,000, you'd take the first one, right? And that's what these players are doing. You're taking the guaranteed money, even if, if things played out, you might have made a little bit more on a different path. I agree. So let me switch things over to a Shohei Otani perspective of things. Because say the Angels offered him last season, two seasons ago, $400 million for 10 years. That's $40 million a year. That's pretty great. One of the best deals in MLB history. Or do you want to gamble on yourself, maybe get a $600, $700 million deal. But there's that chance of injury, that Tommy John, that could impact your career in pitching forever. That's what we're seeing right now with Otani. I want to get your thoughts on that whole situation. Yeah, I think that's the biggest question going in is uh, when can this guy pitch again? And it was interesting, the Otani situation. Of course, that is such a big topic in baseball. There was a couple of scouts who were in the know that um, have been around American League West teams that passed through El Paso. One of them said his understanding is what he's hearing is that uh, Otani isn't somebody maybe that wants the brightest spotlight and said, don't assume this guy's going to the Yankees or the Dodgers. That, uh, at least what this guy heard, is that Otani's personality might be better fit for the Angels, the Mariners, um, a team that maybe that spotlight isn't so bright. So it's interesting. You know, I think back to the All-Star game in Seattle when the fans began chanting, telling Otani they'd like him to come to Seattle. And to me, that's a team that it would be perfect. That's what they need. I agree. A little more offense. And they proved last year they can be a playoff team with the current nucleus that they have. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see how that unfolds. Um, I, I wouldn't eliminate the fact that he goes back to the Angels. He's comfortable there. He's quite famous there. Has obviously had some of the best seasons in baseball history there. So, we'll see. I agree with you on the low market standpoint. Thanks. If he goes to the Yankees, he can be one of the biggest stars in sports. But if he fails there, doesn't do so well. He's a failed experiment. If he goes to Seattle, he's close to Japan, where he's from. He gets those loyal fans. I think that might be saying he does. Tim, I want to switch things over right here to my co-host, Uteb Zay. He wants to ask you a quick question. Hey, Tim. Uh, you're a guy who knows so much about minor league baseball. In fact, you even have a book, Tales from the Dugout. And um, you tell you know hundreds of tons of stories in there. Off the top of your head, what is your favorite minor league baseball story ever? Probably the one in that book that I spent the most time trying to pin down the details on is my favorite. It involves some big names. In 1978, in a double-A game, a fly ball disappeared. Um, I just laughed thinking about this. It, it's so crazy. Bristol, Connecticut's team had Wade Boggs, a Hall of Famer, and the home team, Jersey City, had Ricky Henderson. And I spoke to players who were on the field I communicated with uh, people who worked at the ballpark, and they say that a right-handed hitter that night in 1978 hit a high fly ball to right field, and it disappeared. It did not land on the field. It did not go in the stands. It did not go over the fence. And the reason why I believe them is that the umpires actually had to get together and decide what to do about the batter. They gave him a double. But the fact that the umpires actually had to talk about it shows me that truly this ball vanished. 
Uh, it was not a foggy night. This was not a weather situation. Um, so to me, that's my favorite because it's just uh, so interesting to think about what happened to this ball that went up and never came down. That's a great find right there, an amazing LMB story. So that's just that's crazy. Go read Tim's book, buy Tim's book, uh, Tale of a Thousand Stories. So that's great right there. Next question I got for well, you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you mentioning the book, guys. Thank you. Yeah, you've been so experienced in baseball your whole life, so definitely someone in the baseball world. Next question I got for you right here. There's been a lot of great prospects that have come through El Paso. You've seen Cody Bellinger, even Carlos Correa when he was a prospect, Corey Seager, a few other guys. Who's been the most impressive guy that you've seen as a prospect and said, that guy's going to make it big, and they did, or maybe someone you thought would make it big and didn't? Yeah, you certainly named some of the big ones that have played against the Chihuahuas. Um, okay, someone that I thought was going to make it big but didn't would be... Um, you know, Mark Appel was the number one overall pick, made it to AAA pretty fast with the Astros, did eventually make it to the majors with the Phillies. After but, retiring. You know, he's the number one overall pick by uh, by the Houston Astros, had some arm injuries, had some mechanical issues. Um, it was interesting, Appel, he had an appendectomy, which you wouldn't think would be a long-time injury for a pitcher, but what they said was that it developed some soreness, um, kind of in the rib and the oblique area, which then affected his delivery, and that maybe it led to some other injuries. I'd never really heard about that, an appendectomy harming a pitcher's career, but in his case, it sounds like it did. Um, you know, that's what's so fun about watching these playoff games, not just the former Chihuahuas who were in the mix, but also... So many of these players that played against the Chihuahuas very recently. We talked about that with Evan Carter. Um, in the American League Championship Series, there's a couple former Chihuahuas on the Rangers, Austin Hedges and Travis Jankowski. They're both on their roster. Phil Maton pitching for the Astros. He was with the Chihuahuas as well. But as I think back, yeah, the um, Carlos Correa playing here in 2015, later came back playing against the Chihuahuas on rehab. Um, you mentioned my book earlier. One of the funny stories in there involves the Chihuahuas having a wiener dog delay, a between-innings race involving some wiener dogs. One of the dogs scampered loose and began running around the field, and the game got delayed a few minutes. Well, one of the Oklahoma City players that he scoots by is Corey Seager. <laughs> so this guy's now a, a star with the Rangers, but he also dealt with a wiener dog delay in El Paso. I remember when I was young, getting autographs to the games, Corey Seager was really the first player to ever give me an autograph Never really thought much of it. Now he's obviously one of the best players in the MLB. I think that's kind of what's special about minor league baseball, especially AAA rehab assignments. You get guys come back like Fernando Tatis Jr., Carlos Correa, and also up-and-comers like Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager, Chris Bryant. One of my favorite Chihuahua stories is when he was uh, about to be called from the Cubs in his first season in 2015, hit a home run over the doghouse. Do you remember that? Yes, and in fact... uh... I'm glad you brought him up. His first AAA home run was against the Chihuahuas the previous year when the Chihuahuas were in Iowa. Um, speaking of the doghouse and, and big names, Jock Peterson has had a long career, hit a long home run that way over the big doghouse back in 2014. He won PCL MVP that year. And that's what's interesting, guys. The, the Padres have been so active with trades is that uh, just about every major league team has either had or currently has a former Chihuahua, just because of all that player movement. Um, so that's been really fun now that we're 10 years in, to have that type of history, both with opponents um, and with the Chihuahuas. You know, you asked me earlier, and, and since 
um, we were mentioning those names, Carlos Correa and Corey Seager, a bunch more have popped into my head. I just think about Pete Alonso, who's become a great hitter. My with the favorite Mets. player. Your favorite? I'm okay. a massive Mets well, fan like Steve. Okay. Um, yeah, so he's someone who, who was here, and a memory I have of him, I, uh, he was having a great season, and a Chihuahua's pitcher plunked him with a pitch. Now, he didn't charge the mound, but some words were exchanged, and the benches emptied. This is in 2018, so... Uh, Pete Alonso actually had a tense moment here in El Paso that almost led to a benches clearing fight. That's a pretty interesting. Pete Alonso doesn't seem like someone who would be a crazy hothead. He gets hit a lot in the majors, doesn't really ever charge the mound. So kind of interesting to hear that he had a altercation in the minor leagues. Yeah, that does seem out of character now that we see his personality more. Uh, but he had a great season that year. That was the final year of the Las Vegas Old Stadium, and he hit a walk-off home run in the final ever game of a ballpark. I mean, what a way to finish a stadium, a guy who becomes a major league all-star with a walk-off home run. For sure. So what is, let me ask this right here before we close it out. Thank you for doing this. What is your favorite Chihuahua story in your whole time here in El Paso? Well, uh, this year coming up is going to be my 20th season, and the only time I've ever had a chance to broadcast a league championship was in 2016, so that comes to mind. I loved the 2019 AAA All-Star Game. That was really cool, getting to broadcast that game on a network of stations around the country. But I think my number one game was August 9th, 2019. The Chihuahuas scored 10 runs in the bottom of the ninth inning and won on a walk-off grand slam. And Esteban Quiroz, the batter for that home run, when he hit it, it also broke a new Pacific Coast League record for team home runs in a year. All of that happened on one swing. And I love that because now... You're able to reference that. You're broadcasting a game, and let's say it's an off night for the Chihuahuas, and they're down by six or seven runs in the ninth inning. All of a sudden, there's a little bit of optimism because you've seen it happen before. It's possible. A 10-run bottom of the ninth inning. Baseball comebacks are the greatest, and baseball one of the best sports in the world because there is no timer. You can come back from anything. You can be down 100 runs, 0-2 count, two outs, and you yep. can still win that game. So that's what always amazes me about baseball. Tim, thank you so much for doing this. Still more to come on Sports Talk. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Lynn Frank, host of today's show with my co-host, Uteb Zay. We've already had some great guests on today's show. We've had Tim Haggerty, and we're going to have another great one coming up in Lou Romano. Zay, you ready for this? Second. What was that? Do you have Lou Romano on? No, we don't, sadly. Okay. But we'll have Lou Romano on later in the show, do the NFL weekly games, pick the weekly games of the week. That's what... I normally do with Steve where I'll go up against a guest. We're going to have him in studio to pay against me. But still, great things to look forward to in this week of sports. Start with college football. Great college football games coming up tomorrow. Michigan-Michigan State, always a heated rivalry game. Tennessee versus Alabama, which was the game of the year last year in college football. This year, going to be back at Alabama after Tennessee upset Alabama at home last year. Ohio State, Penn State. I have Penn State in that game. I think Penn State... Best defense in the country right now. Great running game with Nick Singleton. And Drew Aller has been an amazing quarterback. That's going to be a good game. Duke-Florida State, USC-Utah, and Clemson-Miami. So a lot of great college football games upcoming tomorrow. A few more things to add. College football. Michigan football, my favorite team, under investigation now for a sign-stealing scandal. And this is why I want to talk about it. This is not no 2017 Houston Astros type of sign-stealing scandal. Sign-stealing in football is completely different. It's not you're saying... It's going to be a fastball down the middle. They're going to, it's not how it works like baseball where you're going to say, oh, it's a 30-yard deep pass. Things can change drastically in football. 
audibles, other things. Even if they were able to steal all the signs, which I don't think they did, and I don't think it's completely illegal, even some NFL players like J.J. Watt come out and said, this is just called scouting. It's called film. It's called scouting. It's called knowing things. Don't hate on a great football team like Michigan just because you think they're cheating, just because they're under investigation. I don't consider this cheating at all by the Michigan football program. I think this is a little bit more the NCAA trying to put something on my Michigan Wolverines. Zay, let me get your thoughts on this whole Michigan football scandal. When you win, and you win by a lot, and you win a lot, you have a target on your back, and I agree with you. I don't think this is, you know, cheating, and, you know, even if there is sign stealing, I don't think that's so much of an advantage. It just feels like scouting, and uh, I think it's being blown out of proportion. Yeah, for sure. Definitely being brought uh, brought out of proportion. Zay, here we have a caller. Let's bring him on. Hello? Hello? You call I have a question for you. Uh, congratulations on running the show with uh, Steve and Adrian being gone. You're doing a terrific job. Thank you. You know, I know that you know more about sports than anybody I know. So I have a question for you. As you know, my Yankees didn't do well this year. But, of course, there's always next year. So I was going to ask you, who do you think is going to make the World Series and who do you think is going to win? For the World Series right now? My post or pre postseason pick was uh, was the Texas Rangers, and they're on a bit of a roll right now. It's two two in that series. So I'm gonna go with the Texas Rangers of the American League beating down the cheaters, you could say, in the Houston Astros. And for the NL, I'm around with the high ride. I'm gonna go with the Philadelphia Phillies making the World Series versus Texas Rangers. I have the Rangers winning that World Series to win their first ever championship. But the Phillies, that's a great team. That's a great fan base. That's a great stadium. Let me hear why you're not so happy with the way your Yankee season went. Well, there's always next year. There definitely is next year. A few up-and-coming prospects. Jason Dominguez, he was great at the end of the season. Sadly, tore his UCL. He's going to be out in a few months. But that's a bright future right there. Aaron Judge. I think the main problem for the Yankees this season was the pitching. Outside of Garrett Cole, pitching was not consistent. Nestor Cortez had a bad season. Carlos Rodon had a bad season. So the Yankees can fix around their pitching. Get those good pitchers in Rodon and Cortez pitch better next season. Sky's the limit for the New York Yankees. I hope so. Thanks for answering my question. Thank you for calling in. Okay. Zay, let's talk about the Yankees for a second, just because that guy did. What do you think of the New York Yankees? Well, you know, I'm obviously not a Yankee guy, but, I mean, they're they're one of the most storied franchises. I mean, I think they are the most storied franchise in Major League Baseball, so you just want to see them become a winner, not become not be mediocre like they usually are, just go all in and all in and be smart with it. Be smart with it. Exactly. I think Jason Dominguez can be the centerpiece for this franchise. Don't go away trading it for some like Juan Soto or somebody else. Yeah, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. You know, trusting your guys. Um, yeah, I just know, but you know, Yankee fans they're not you know, they're not going to be patient. They don't want to go through a rebuild. They're always going to be in win win now situation. Just as you know, Red Sox, Dodger fans, stuff like that. When you're a big market team, you have a lot of pressure to win now. And um, we'll see we'll see how they deal with that. We'll see how they deal with that. Again, you can call our line nine one five five zero five six zero zero nine if you want to hop in on this action. With you, Tibze, and I hopping on the show. Again, that's 915-505-6009. We'll switch things over back to college football. I talked about those games of the week that we have. I want to get your thoughts on Tennessee, Alabama. That's going to be a great game. 
it's going to be a great game. Alabama, um, you know, when you look at games like this, when, you know, the previous year, one team won, I feel like it has to be more, mean more to Alabama than Tennessee. And, you know, I think I'm a, I'm a Jalen Milrow guy. I think he's a great quarterback. He does have his inconsistencies. I have to admit that. But this is the type of game that, you know, he really comes out, he balls out, and he shows everybody, hey, you know, that the first start of the season, it was not good. We're going to put that behind us. We're going to go out there. We're going to battle for an SEC championship and a college football playoff spot. It still seems like every week, though, they are struggling. Last week against Arkansas, they were struggling. That is a home game for you. That's a game Jalen Milrow played in last year on the road, struggled for about three quarters, popped off in the fourth quarter. They carried away with that game. Last week, didn't seem like the same thing. That defense didn't do well against K.J. Jefferson. This offense was struggling. They went 24-21 at home versus a very bad Arkansas team. I think that's 2-4 and four right now. So Alabama football, this is the most undisciplined team I've seen from Nick Saban in years. You want to know why? Nick Saban teams the past few years. They might not have that flashy quarterback, but at least they don't have that quarterback that makes those turnovers like Jalen Milrow does. They don't have that quarterback that can make mistakes like that Texas A&M game to throw the ball with a minute left instead of kneeling the ball down. That's a mistake that cost Miami a few weeks ago a win. Could have cost Alabama a win right there against uh, Texas A&M. Cost them a win against Texas, throwing those two pick sixes. Two of those two picks, my bad. But uh, yeah, Jalen Milrow, this team, they don't have the best running game. They don't have the best defense. They're good enough in the SEC they are not good enough to compete with Georgia. Not good enough to compete with Michigan. They're going to beat Tennessee on Saturday, but not too much after that, in my opinion. Yeah, and I could definitely see that happening. It just, you know, it brings up the question, how far will good enough get you? Like you said, how far will good enough get you in the SEC, the best conference in college football? Best conference in college football, not this season. Very down year for the SEC, in my opinion. Georgia, top of the SEC. Florida, surprisingly playing well now. Graham Mertz has been on a roll Start out uh, this season after that first game lost to Utah. Gets that win over Tennessee. Joe Milton, somebody we really thought could have taken off sky to the limit this season. Hasn't done that. So Joe Milton, Tennessee, they're struggling. Someone who is doing great in the SEC that we didn't expect. Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz in year three under Eli Drinkwitz. Brady Cook, their quarterback, struggled a lot last season. Only one interception this year, and he's playing great. One bad loss to LSU for Missouri Tigers in the season. A shootout in a game that they should have won. LSU... A lot of high hopes for them this season. I thought they could have made the college football playoff by starting out the season with a win versus Florida State. They started out the game out with a lot with a loss. Start their season with a loss. Then they go play Ole Miss, lose that shootout. So you're in the same situation as last season for LSU with two losses. Chance to make the college football playoff, but with two losses. Because say you win the SEC, I think you're in the college football playoff. Maybe even over Florida State, a team that you just lost to. So Florida State. Our team can make the playoff, but LSU, that's a really bad loss right there. Same situation as last season. Two losses at this point, not what you want if you're a Tigers fan. And Zay, do we have another caller? We do. Would you like to get him on right now? Let's get him on. Let's do it. This is Drew Frank, line one. Hello? You on? Here we go. Yes. Um, I have a quick question about the upcoming um, NBA season. NBA starting very soon. Do you think that Paolo Bancaro will win MVP this season? I do not think that Paolo Bancaro will win NBA MVP this season. We've got more callers coming up, so let's hear this next question. Um, yeah, I was mostly um, curious your thoughts on his career and how it's kind of panning out. Paolo Bancaro, his career started out great at Duke, had a great high school career, great rookie season, but definitely not MVP ready yet. Maybe five years down the way. I think his goal for this season, try to be a Jason Tatum type of player, Paolo Boncaro. Thank you for the wisdom. I appreciate it. 
Thank you. Thank you for calling in. Zay, we have another caller? We do. We're going to get Joel. Line two, you're on. Hey, Lane. Hey, you on there? Thank you for calling in. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you great. I wanted to get your take on who's going to be coaching you next year if, uh, if the rest of this season finishes the way it's going right now. Who's going to be coaching you UTEP football next season. I think it can maybe be someone like Oregon offense coordinator Will Stein. His first year as offense coordinator for Oregon has links to this uh, part of the country. Southwest was the UTSA offense coordinator a few years ago. That's someone, young guy, could be a great head coach for UTEP if things don't pan out for Dan Dan Demel this season. Okay. And what do you think about the rest of the season? I think for the rest of the season, win. rest of the season for the UTEP Miners. Maybe more quarterback switches. I love my guy, Kay McConnell, friend of this show. Give him some more starts. Maybe see Kevin Hurley get some more action. They tried about every quarterback on the roster, giving them a start this season. Jake McNamara, Kevin Hurley, Kay McConnell, Gavin Hardison. Gavin Hardison, failed experiment at UTEP, it looks like. So just try to switch things up. Make a bowl game, maybe. You're going to have to go undefeated to do that. But a lot of interesting yeah. things coming up. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about, Appreciate UTEP? It. That's it. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, Zay, let's let's continue with our college football talk right here. So we were talking about some of those games, Tennessee, Alabama. Tennessee, Alabama. Oh, Zay, we have another caller? All right, we do. We'll wait for them on a second. Again, want to hop in on the action? 915-505-6009. Oh, no. Okay, we don't have a caller on, but we do have Lou Romano. Oh, yeah, I heard you on the radio five minutes ago saying I wasn't going to be here. Which one of you guys was? Who, who, who was the guy that said that? I did. Him? All right, we... Yeah, yeah. Why did you think I wasn't going to be here? No, no, I didn't. Okay, we've got Lou Romano in oh, studio right here. We've got Lou Romano. Lou, Lou Romano. All right, we ready How to go, doing, Zay? Man? Is that mine? Yeah, okay. Probably. We're going to go, break. Oh, we're going to break. Lou's here. We're going to Fans, ESPN 600, we're back. I'm Lane Frank, host of today's show with my co-host, UTEP Zay, Steve Kaplitz, and Adrian Bross, your regular hosts, are out of the studio today. <laughs> you can hop in on the action, 915-505-6009. We've got a great guest in oh, studio right here. Yeah. He's been just pounding on the door to get in, <laughs> yeah. to get on, in on this action. <laughs> Lou Romano, in studio with us to pick some NFL games. Thank you for doing this. Oh yeah, anytime. Alright, let's get ready. So, a long time since I've been here, by the way. I guess my invitations are getting lost in the mail. That's more on Steve that than it? me. That's more on Steve. I That's know. I wish Steve was here so I could blast him. <laughs> but he's not. We'll get so I'll take it time. easy on you guys. For but sure. no, you guys do a great job. I was listening to you on the way in. I catch you when I can. Because, um, you know, I don't do sports anymore, which mm-hmm. is great. So now I get to hear you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll have some fun today, for sure. For sure. Let's pick some NFL games. That's what I do every week. <sighs> it's the worst league. Okay. The worst league? It's the, the NFL? Really? All right, fine. Let's go. Every week for the past two seasons, I've been doing it with Steve. We have a guest yeah. every week. Yeah. Do NFL games against them. Let's see if you can top yeah. that leaderboard by beating <laughs> me this week. <laughs> okay. So the first game is going to be our first game this week. Last night we had Jaguars versus Wait a minute. Who am, I, who am I picking these games with? Me. You're picking against me. Oh, I thought you're not doing this yeah. with us? Oh, all right. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Put these games against me. So every week, Steve's moderating it. 
And then the guest picks against me, but this week I'll do both. I'll pick and moderate. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Raiders versus Bears. First Where, game of the week. Where's the game? It's in Chicago, but Justin Fields is out. The Raiders are at the Bears. Uh, I'll take the Raiders in that one. I'll take the Raiders in that one, too. I think Derek Carr, great quarterback. Gonna win oh, that. he's great. Not great, not great. Why is he I great? Know. Jimmy Garoppolo out for this one, it seems like. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be out in this one. I think they're going to start Brian Hoyer. This is going to be one of the worst games of the week, in my opinion. <laughs> Rookie quarterback at Shepard University starting for the Bears in this one. Tyson Badgett. I don't know how that one's going Where is that? I don't even know. That's how it's going to go in this one. You can't have Tyson Badgett as your backup quarterback, Justin Fields. And you have veteran to back up Justin Fields. Not someone like Tyson, Tyson Badgett, a rookie. It's going to be a fire fresh for the Bears in this one. Let's go Raiders. Zay, you want to kick off the next game? Browns versus Colts? Yeah, you know, that'll be a pretty good game. Um, I'd, I'd take, you know, the Browns in that one. But um, I, who's even starting at quarterback for the Browns? Is it going to be Deshaun Watson or P.J. Walker? Was, was P.J. That Walker. Start? Yeah, so I'm a P.J. Walker guy, so if he is starting, I'd go with the Browns. Even if he isn't starting, if Deshaun is there, um, I'd still go with the Browns. Lou, you want to pick that one? Browns versus Colts? I wasn't able to hear. I can't hear anything in my headsets. Browns versus Colts? Where's the game? In Indianapolis. Ah, wait a second. Okay, Browns are at the Colts. Yep. Uh, I think the Browns are flying high after that uh, – Win against San Francisco. <laughs> After the win against San Francisco, I'll take Cleveland in that game. Okay, I'll take Cleveland in that game too. No Anthony Richardson Slow for the down. Colts. For the re- no Anthony Richardson <laughs> for the rest of the season for the Indianapolis Colts. Let's go to Cleveland, riding off a big win against the 49ers last week. Uh, I'll go with the Browns. Next one: Bills versus Patriots. This one is at New England. Patriots are one in five. <laughs> Patriots are one in five in the season. Bills are four and two. Two losses on the season, not so great, but. Also, came off a big one last week, getting a goal line stand twice against the New York Giants. Bills versus Patriots. I'm going to go with the Bills. Go ahead. I will call you. Go ahead. Good to see you. Bills versus Patriots. I'll go with the Bills. Where are you taking? It's Where's in New the game? How many New times do I have to say? It's three straight times i got to ask you. I introduced you. it in Mr. New England. Mr. i got 150 podcasts. You can't tell me where the game is? It doesn't matter who's at home? The game is in New England. Okay, so what is it? Buffalo at New England. Buffalo at New Buffalo England. Buffalo at New England. Four and two Buffalo Bills taking on the one and five New England Patriots. Remember how we Cosell? Buffalo at New England. You guys are too young. They're too young. Hey, you KRD audience, these guys are too young to know Cosell. Buffalo at New England. You guys, you guys don't know what that means? Oh my God! Always that. I'm getting old. Yeah, I'm getting old. Uh, let's see. Patriots haven't won a game what in two years. Seems like it. Yeah, so you know what? I got the upset special, the Pats at home against Buffalo. Pa- Patriots by three. Okay, I'm taking the Bills in this one. Like a reasonable oh, yeah, see, football you take fan all would. the favorites. Like so a reasonable football fan would. I took the Jets last week re- to beat the Eagles. Nobody else did that. You did? Nobody oh, boy. Okay, good. There we go. All right, props. But uh, this Patriots team is really struggling right now. It can't all be put on Mac Jones. You need some better receivers. need some better tight ends. Okay, but wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Uh, I don't know the, the schedule for Sunday. Because I'm not a big NFL fan, but I'll take the Patriots as my upset special. But I don't know what the rest of the games are, so let's put that on hold. Right now, I'm taking the Patriots. They got to win a game sometime. They do, right? Okay, so I'm going to take New England until I hear the rest of the the rest of the schedule. So go ahead. So right now, I'm taking New England. Yep. Okay. Next one we'll pick right here. My New York Giants, my favorite football team. One in five. On the season, taking on the three and three Washington Commanders. This game's in New in New York. Three point spread for the Washington Commanders. I'm gonna go with the Giants. Who are you taking? Giants are favored by three. No, Commanders are favored by three. 
The, com- the Commanders are favored uh, at the Giants? At the Giants, Commanders are favored. I'll take Commanders. Okay. Why? I want to see his Because they're favored. Okay. And no the Giants have done nothing to show me they can win a game. So I think I'll Daniel Jones, if he plays this one, can do well. This team showed a lot of grit last week. Gets one of the best uh, teams in the NFL in the Buffalo the Bills. Oh, they tried real hard. It's a freaking NFL, man. We don't care if you tried hard. Win the game. Oh, they tried hard. No oh, they showed a lot of guts. <laughs> they showed. I'll That's why right I can't here. stand this league. I'll say this right here. There are no moral victories in the NFL, but there are in college. NFL, <laughs> you, you win yeah. the game, you win the game. You lose the game, you lose the game. Right. In college football, there's a committee to decide. <laughs> <this game>. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the committee decides. That's right. That's right. You're right. Always bringing the entertainment. Lou Romano on here right now on Sports Talk. You can call in now on 5 505 Here, look at it this way. Zero okay? how, how many teams have a shot at the Super Bowl this year? It's about five or six. Okay, you getting six? Okay, NFC. Who's coming out of the NFC? San Francisco. Okay, that's easy. Okay, who's coming out of the? That's one team. So tell me, there's five other teams. I think it could be. I think if Dallas, you catch them on a good day. Stop with the Dallas. No, I hate stop Dallas. with Dallas. They have no chance. Okay, I've, I've been saying this for years. I think if you catch Detroit, Detroit's a great. Let me defense. finish. Let me finish, Mister. I host five thousand podcasts. Okay, let, let me finish as someone who's more knowledgeable and has been around. As long as Jerry Jones is owning the Cowboys, you're not going to see the Super Bowl. And I love Jerry Jones. He's a Hall of Famer to me. Love everything about him, what he's done for the league, for that city, for that team. Uh, I, I can't say enough about Jerry Jones. But until he takes his fingers out of the player personnel pie, you have no chance. How many good players have the Cowboys had over the last 10 years? There's been a lot, but there have been any great players. Uh, whatever you want to call it, good and great. You just said Derek Carr was great. So if Derek Carr is great, what's Tom Brady? Elite. Oh, my God. Legendary. Hey, Mr. 150 Podcast, well, I'll teach you a few things today. All right? But anyhow, Derek Carr is not great. Okay? He's not great. Anyway, let's get back to the Cowboys. Until Jerry Jones is gone, and I've been saying this on TV for years, and nobody believes me, and these Cowboy fans go crazy when they destroy a high school team, and all of a sudden we're going to the Super Bowl. You're not. You're not. Who's the number one receiver on that team? C.D. Lamb. Really? That's your number one receiver? He's 5'5", weighs about 150. That's your number one? You're not going anywhere with that kind of a number one receiver. Right? Yep. So, Okay. And this defense that you guys said was equivalent to the 85 Bears after they blasted that Giants team? Give it 42. The 85 Bears? Are you out of your mind? Anyhow, it's not your fault because I know that you live in El Paso and you fall under the fabric of El Paso. I hate the Cowboys. Okay, then then how in the world do you have them with a shot at the Super Bowl? Because they have a great running game in Tony Pollard. Oh, my God, I have a great running game. They've got okay. a great running game. You can get that explosive offense. They just went out on Monday Night Football, <laughs> played terrible, and they still beat a good team in the Los Angeles Chargers. They have Chargers. a great running game. They have one of the best defense oh players, if God. not the best defense player in the NFL, Micah Parsons. I hear this every year. Oh, really? Micah Parsons hasn't showed up in two weeks. He got one sack at the end of the game, and he fluked out on it. You could say that the coaching is terrible, but you have Dan Quinn, might be the Coaching's best defense ter- coordinator. He was? Ask Dan San Francisco. Quinn is a great how, defense coordinator. Ask San Francisco how good of a defensive coordinator he is. I think that can go on Dak Prescott on the offense. Oh, now it goes back. Go back to Dan Quinn, Mr. 150 Podcast. Go back to Dan Quinn. You just said he's a great coordinator. The Niners scored whenever they felt like it. They did. Right? Okay, they so how is football. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the Cowboys. The Cowboys have no shot at the Super Bowl. You said there were six teams. My original question was how many teams have a – so who's coming out of the AFC? Who's coming out of the AFC? Let's go to the Chiefs. 
Okay, that's two out of 30. So we already know who's going to the Super Bowl. Maybe Miami gets lucky and slips in there. Say you play Miami on a great day where two are talking about sling the ball over the field and they can't say defense. Okay, three teams. That's three teams. Lamar Jackson plays great in a day and the defense shows up. You got too many ifs, bro. You got three teams here. And maybe you want to throw in the Eagles. Let's not write the Eagles off. I think we can write the Eagles off right now. If Jalen Hurts plays like a rookie quarterback like he did last Sunday. Stop with the ifs. Will you stop with the ifs? Jalen Hurts you got played like three a rookie quarterback going. last Sunday. When he does that every okay, week. Okay, so that's, I'll give you four. So coming out of the NFC, Eagles or Niners, AFC, Kansas City or Miami? Yep. Is that, that's four teams. That's pretty fair. So how is this a good league? Because any four at, No, don't give me the any team they can't. Not any team can beat any team. You're going to play 17 that's games. That's true. It's the pro football. No one's it's going undefeated. League. It's only 17 games. Someone's going to lose a game somewhere, right? Exactly. Nobody goes undefeated. Nobody. Okay, so give the good teams one loss. Give them two losses. Don't give me that any team can beat any team. They can't. In December, nobody's beating San Francisco or Philadelphia. Nobody. Not even the Cowboys. Okay? In the AFC, who's beating Kansas City at Kansas City? In December or January, nobody. Okay, so it's not any team can beat any team. Maybe now, okay, in September, okay, fine. Guys are hurt. When it comes, the chips are down. You got four teams that have a shot at the Super Bowl if you want to include Miami. Four. So how is this a good league? I don't want to say that. It's not. If it's not for fantasy football, nobody would watch. Detroit, you want to throw Detroit in there? All right, I'll give you Detroit. Now they're not going to the Super Bowl, but I'll give you an. I think they can shot. go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, anybody. They just can. went out. They have best one in the NFL over the Kansas City Chiefs. Nobody else can say that. You're missing my point. You said there were six teams that had a shot at the and Super Bowl. Thirty that. teams in the league. How many teams have no wins? Panthers have no wins. Who else has no wins? Okay, so after six weeks, we got a team with no wins. That's okay, a rebuilding that's team. horrific. Okay, but that's how, how many, sports works. You're gonna have how many teams? You're no, have it's teams. not how sports works. You don't have teams in the NHL with no wins, how, or college football teams with no wins. Even UTEP, UTEP has a win. Sam Houston State no wins right now. First year <laughs> FBS. Yeah, first year FBS. Let's get back to uh, let's get back who's to going. games. No, 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 because okay, okay. it's it's worthless. Okay, it's the NFL. You got four teams going to the Super Bowl. So we're done with San games. Francisco. Let's just have an NFL conversation. No, we can do it. We can do it. No, no. You have NFL. All right, we have N- okay. in the the NFC. You got two teams coming out. In the AFC, you got two teams coming out. Yep. That's 26 teams that don't have a shot at the championship in your 30-team league. So how is this a good league? That's how just how in a week-by-week, okay. week, we're only playing 17 <laughs> okay. games a year. Right. We're only playing 17 games a year. It's different than the NHL. It's different than MLB. It's different than the NBA. In the NBA, you can afford to have your okay, then let's, let's go Okay, let's go to college. How many teams have a shot at winning the national championship? That's a completely different story. You only have how? every Power 5 school has a chance to win the national championship. No, they don't. No, they don't. TCU U of A is a Power 5 team. They're not going to win the national championship. At the beginning of the season, they have a chance. Outside of that, no, there's no don't. chance for a they, group of they, five team to they win the national They don't. You've got four teams every year that Ask have a shot at the national championship. Ask a TCU fan last year, do we have a chance to win the national championship? They say, hell no, we're under a first-year head coach, Sonny Dykes. They make it to the national championship game because they play through a gauntlet schedule in the Power Five. If you play in a Power Five conference, doesn't matter how bad your team is, you have a chance to win the national championship. What was that final score in the national championship game against Georgia? To wasn't it over in the first quarter? 65 to 7. Okay, my point is in college football, you got four teams that have a shot every year, and that's Michigan, Georgia, Alabama, and whoever number four you want to throw in Ohio I'm State. I'm going to disagree with you on the Michigan because two seasons ago, 2021, Michigan's coming off their worst season of the decade or the century. And they end up making the college ball playoff. Nobody thought they'd have a chance to make it. They had a 2% chance you're missing to make the, the college ball playoff. You're missing the point. 
the point is you don't have more than four teams that have a shot at the national championship every year, right? Clemson, you want to throw Clemson in there? Okay. You don't even you have the 10. You don't even have 10 teams. You've got four or five. But Georgia's going to play for the title again, right? Yeah. Okay, Alabama's always in the mix, right? Okay, Michigan will be up there. Maybe Ohio State. Who else aside from those four? I'm going to say something right here. I don't think this team has a chance to win anything, <laughs> but they play the easiest schedule in Power 5 college football. We're not talking about individual teams. I'm saying every year you've got maybe four teams that have a shot at a national championship. You know at the start of the season which four teams are going to have a shot. Once in a while you get your fluke TCUs, right? Once in a while you get your fluke. What was the Florida team that was complaining? We're not in the BCS. Uh, what was the team that went undefeated and they were complaining? Okay, so once in a while you get those teams. Once in a while. But you already know right now Georgia's going to play for the title. It's just a matter of who they're going to play against. And it's probably going to be— They're going to play for the playoff, not the title. You can't say that yet. What? Why? They've won the last two. All of a sudden they can't win, they can't win three. We've got to go to a quick break. Let's continue this conversation. <laughs> we definitely have to go to a quick break. But let's continue this conversation when we get back. Yeah, Lou Romano, right. Sports Talk, ESPN That's 600. It's different when you've got somebody coming. In the El Paso Metroplex, we have, uh, we're not doing too bad. The Paso. Back to ESPN 600 Sports Talk. I'm your host today, Lane Frank. Across from me is UTEP Zay, replacing Adrian Bross and Steve Kaplitz for today as they're out of the studio. And we're going to plan on having NFL picks, Lou Romano. <laughs> this has gone a completely different way, in a great way. We're actually going to have college football picks and debates, Lou Romano and my brother, Jamie Frank, and UTEP Zay, who's in the studio right here. This is going to be a very interesting moment for this studio. We're going to have a great, highly heated debate, maybe the most heated <laughs> debate this studio has ever seen. Let's get into it. First thing, I'll let you start off. Let's start uh, off the what, debate. Uh, uh, Pick well, whatever well, subject. College football. Well, I love college football. What's one thing you're... Oh, I don't like this ridiculousness about this. Uh, we got the four-team playoff. Now we're going to what six? I think what are they going to eight? Ridiculous. Can you just do it like basketball and go to the sixty-four team playoff? Why is that so difficult? We don't need three preseason games in college football. I read maybe like European soccer where you have the twelve best teams all in one division. Then you get if you finish bottom three, you get relegated to the next league. Every year you have UTEP maybe in like the last league. So say they win that league, they go up to the next it's one. It's a great one, idea. One. That's a great That's idea. That's what college football should be Th- like. That's a great but idea. it's not. Yep, it's a great idea. Uh, I know you can't have 64 teams, but you don't need your three preseason. Alabama doesn't need to play Troy. They don't need, they don't need to play New Mexico okay? State. They don't need to play these teams. That's what I'm saying. That's there was a college basketball and college football. That's right. So why don't you just start the season with every game counts? You know, uh, have Alabama, it's a Michigan conference week game. One. Yeah, or, or, or have them con- play your conference yeah. to start the season. You don't, and then that gives you three extra weeks to have your real playoff. Now let's pretend you go 16 teams. Number 17 is going to complain, right? Sorry. You get not, promoted and then you get – Sorry. Yeah. You're 17. We take 16. You're 17. We, we just in society have forgotten how to say no. That's a conversation for a different day. But anyhow, take your top 16 and let's, let's do this. You know, and I'm still a believer – and I don't know. I still haven't been able to get a straight answer from anybody on this, you guys. And think about this before you speak, okay? You, how many bowl games are there? Forty. Yeah. Okay. So if we went to a sixteen-team playoff, right? Or let's say we went thirty-two-team playoff. Everybody plays everybody. That's sixteen games, right? Yeah. Okay. 
how cool would it be if the Sun Bowl has number seven versus number eight? Be pretty great, kind of like European soccer, which we talked. Okay, about. so right now, off the top of your heads, unless you have it in front of you, who's the number seven team in the country? Who's the number eight team in the country? Do you know? Let's go. I'll say Oregon. Let's maybe? say Oregon, and maybe Penn State, something like that. Penn State. Okay, so you're telling the people of El Paso, Oregon's coming here to play Penn State playoff game. It's a great game, right? Okay, let's pretend it's 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 a little bit wider than that. Let's pretend it's number two versus number nine. Uh, if you have a you have a 32 team, not 32. You have 16 team playoffs, so it's number two versus 15. Who's ranked 15th in the country? Notre Dame. Notre Dame is about 15th in the country. Okay, who's number Duke. two? Michigan, number yeah, yeah, Michigan's number two right now. Okay, so you got Michigan, Notre Dame in the Sun Bowl for the first round. That'd be a great game, right? I don't know why we the can't do game that. In college football, right? So you can still have your other bowl games in Detroit, where New Mexico State goes, whatever it might be. But you pick bowl games to be playoff sites. I don't know why everyone is so against that. I still haven't anybody give me a, a reasonable answer as to, reasonable, you know, a reasonable answer as to why that will not work. Well, I think that's what they're trying to bring next year with the twelve team playoff, but it's just gonna be cannibalism because new conferences. Big Ten, Michigan's gonna have to play Texas week one. They're gonna have to play Washington, they're gonna have to play Oregon, USC, Penn State, and Ohio State. You're not getting through that schedule undefeated, one loss, two loss. You get three losses. That's a tough, very tough schedule. For Florida, they're going to have to play Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, Texas A&M. You're not getting through that schedule undefeated. So that's why, like you said, make a 16-team playoff where you can lose a lot of games and not have this stupid undefeated and you're in the playoff. Okay, so the first question is how do we decide the 16 then? If Florida's 1-2. and two, Take the best 16s right? in college football. Okay, who comes up at the 16? A committee. It's a, a committee. College football playoff committee. Okay, fair enough. We got a committee. Deciding the first six, just That's like you do with division. the NCAA tournament, right? The next division is teams like Iowa, maybe teams that aren't so great, but still power five teams. Okay, so if you win your conference, you're automatically in the playoff. Mm-hmm. Fair enough? Yeah. Okay, in college football, if you win the South, you've got to play the winner of the North. So it'd They be, don't do that in college basketball. So it could be Michigan versus Alabama. No, no, they're, they're yeah, in the same, well, North the same South. conference. Yeah, yeah, so North versus okay, South. Okay, right. yeah. Eliminate that game. And let's get right to the six. It's all about the dollars. Yeah. It's about the dollars. But if you wanted to do sport the right way, how come college football is the only sport? We don't have playoffs. <laughs> We've got a caller online one right here. Let's okay. bring him in, Zay. Okay. All right, Augustine, you're on. Oh, Augustine. My man, he's, he's man, look at you. You're driving through Juarez. You got that convertible Cadillac going, right? You're stopping and getting some of those Juarez dogs on the vendors, on the street corners. I, I have a, a Honda hybrid right now. So <laughs> I'm a little bit more sensible now. Um, how, how are you doing, dude? Good, man. Hey, Lou, I, you know, I called in because I know, um, you know, the, the, the guys right now, you know, they're, they're very good at sports, but, but they don't deal with the hard questions, you know. They, they, they <laughs> Hit me with the hard questions. <laughs> Hit me with I the mean, questions. They're throwing you softball that you can hit homers from. And <laughs> stuff that you've been talking about for years and, and saying that college football has to change. And, <laughs> and the thing is, if you put 16 teams, that means that how many weeks is regular season for some of these teams? Three weeks? That's it? No, no. We, we, we would have to figure that this out. But I, I think there's a way. The playoff would be the whole season, the 16-team playoff maybe. Yeah, it, it, it might be. But if you eliminate the three weeks that these teams play, like this week zero, well, I don't even know what that it's means. It's just for you to have to get publicity. <laughs> right. So if you eliminate the first three weeks, your 12-game season now becomes nine weeks. Okay. So that frees sure, up. 
sorry, that frees up three weeks for you to get your playoff games in. That's at least three well, weeks, right? Well, let, let, let's say that let, let, for let's say for argument's sake that some in some far fetched uh, <laughs> dimension, UTEP is a good team. Okay, and and UTEP won the conference, so UTEP was going to play Alabama or something like that. No, is that no, no, no. No, no, I, no I, I hear what he's saying, but yeah, yeah it would have to be the Power Fives. Because that'd just be destroying. But, but, but I do like what Augustine is saying because, hey, man, we won our con- in the NCAA tournament. You win your conference, automatic bid. Yeah, but that's different. But football that's and basketball. sixty-four teams. You basketball, can play two games you can a week. Make as many shots right. as you want. Football, you're going up against three hundred pound offensive <laughs> linemen. When yours are only one eighty. No, but Augustine, <laughs> let, let's figure it out on the air right now. Okay, let's pretend you're Here's Utah. my question. Yeah, go ahead. Here's my question: You won in this playoff. Uh, only teams that realistically can actually win it. So, who out of the Power Five can actually be in in, in that sixteen team uh, playoff? Other than schools from the Power Five, I mean, that's right. I mean, it have to be Power Five. You're right. You're absolutely right, Augustine. You're absolutely right. That, so, that's I how. Mean, it, yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, uh, this this inclusion thing does not have to go all the way to football, and. Uh, and, and and here here's another question for you, Lou, and and, mm-hmm. and I'll listen on the radio because this is really an important question, mm-hmm. Lou. What would you do with UTEP football? Oh, Thank great! Thank you question. very much, everybody. Yeah, and good have you- a great great Thank- weekend. Thank you for calling in. Yeah, Augustine is the greatest. Uh, I I think with UTEP football, first of all, and you guys should know this, especially being younger. Most of your games are won before they even played, meaning they're won when you recruit. That's where it starts. Nick Saban comes and coaches UTEP. They're going undefeated? No. He doesn't have the players. He doesn't have his players. He doesn't have NIL money. He doesn't have anything. Okay, so now wait a second. So now you're a UTEP coach. I'm not going to put Dana Dimmel on the hook here because you can go all the way back to Charlie Bailey and David Lee as as far back as you want to go. Do you know how hard it is to get a player today, today, in 2023, to come to UTEP? I think you just have to find a random two-star, three-star high school football player to come. Okay, well, th- 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 that's part of the problem. But let's pretend you're recruiting for UTEP. What are your recruiting tools? El Paso. That's pretty much it. Well, maybe s- look, sell me. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm, look at the city. I'm maybe. 17, 18 years old. Okay, I'm at XYZ School in Louisiana. All right, I'll give it to you. And you want me to come play for you. How are you getting me to come here? We're your only D1 offer. We're FBS. We're gonna Wait, give what do you mean only D1 offer? Say we're only – okay, so is this – No, a, I've got five of them. What does it matter? Why should I choose So what separates you, UTEP, and maybe another random FBS program? No, no. Come on. Okay. Okay, you're recruiting me. You're, you're UTEP's recruiter. Okay? You come into my home, and you want me to come play football for you. Why would I come play for you? You're going to come play for UTEP because – UTEP is going to compete for a conference title. They're going to compete for this. Okay, wait a minute. You said we're going to compete for a conference title? I just looked at your record over the last 10 years. Where's the conference title? No conference title, but we're building something. You here. just said you we're competing for a conference title. No, we're not. We're not. So eliminate that. What else you got? I'll let UTEP Zay hop in on this right here because he's the UTEP expert. I'm not Yeah, I'm not trying expert. to put you on the other side. Imagine you're UTEP I just and don't you're know. trying to get There a is kid. no pitch for UTEP to get big recruits here. Okay, football that, or basketball. okay, so that's my point. It is that's very difficult to yeah. get really good players. Because what is the pitch going to be? Oh, we have a cool city. You have the this and that of El Paso. No, that's not going to sell a recruit from Louisiana. That's come right. Over to El Paso. That, that's what I'm saying. You say, oh, it's innovative offense. What innovative offense? You lost 10 games last season. Right. I mean, I, I got a hard time believing that Dana Dimmel doesn't know how to coach football. 
he doesn't make all the right decisions, but what coach does, coach. Yeah. right? Okay, he comes he from great Kansas State. They won all the time. He knows how to coach football. Who's the head coach at Houston? Okay. Give him the right tools. Maybe you put him at Alabama where they but, win eight, nine games. But that's what I'm saying. UTEP has to find a way to make UTEP and El Paso more attractive to your better players. How would you do that? Because I don't think there's a chance for UTEP to do that. Well, the, the, the one thing I would say, because look at how many things are going against me. From the dollars for NIL to we're in the middle of nowhere, we're not on TV. You run a Google search for El Paso, the first thing you see is 800 dead in Juarez killings, right? So when mom and dad run that Google search, they're not really thrilled. Okay, number two. Hang on a second. Hang on. Now, you fly in. Hey, you know what? I really like this Coach Dimmel, and I like UTEP's colors. Uh, I'm going to go visit the school. So you fly into the airport, and you come down airway. And then you come to I-10, right, to come west to come to El Paso, or, I mean to Utah, yeah, yeah. to go look at the campus. What do you see? You're driving down I-10, look to your left, what do you see? Mexico? They don't know that's Mexico. This kid's from Iowa. How does he know that's Mexico? He doesn't. Okay, what if his parents come? What as they soon say, as they oh, see that, we're out of here. And the reason I know that is because the Sun Bowl teams say the exact same thing. They don't know that. When USC comes here, ASU, wherever, Michigan State, whoever comes, Florida Purdue. State, never, yeah. Right. So I'm not saying drive away and be embarrassed about it, but embrace it. Yeah. When those kids get on the bus, hey, kids, if you look to your left, just to show you how fortunate you are, that's another country right there. That, that, that's where you that's could be living. That's a recruiting fish. So be, well, you've got to do something, but that's what they see. So before you even get a chance to recruit them, they've already made okay. their decision. Let me throw an example right here because you said you can play at UTEP. You're going to get no exposure. You're going to get none of this. I interviewed someone here last year, Jay Green Taylor. Runs a 4-3-8-40, and he's a defensive lineman. That's fastest of any defensive lineman in the country. Had the most sacks in Conference USA. You do that in a conference like the Big Ten, you're a top-ten pick. He goes on draft and isn't playing in the CFL. He could have done that in a conference like the Big Ten with a 4-3-8-40 defensive lineman and stays undrafted. So why would you say that? Why would you see that and say, I'm going to go to UTEP where I can go undrafted if, even if I'm amazing? But, that, but, but that's what I'm saying. It's that difficult. Now, what I would personally do and I know this because other coaches at smaller schools uh, have done this, and it's worked. If I'm UTEP, I would set up a pipeline with UT, A&M, SMU, TCU, have a working relationship with all those coaches. Hey, you got any players over there who aren't going to see the field or might be unhappy? I can guarantee those guys a shot at starting, and if they're having problems in the classroom, we'll get them a tutor. So now you're getting, I don't want to say rejects, but you're getting those kids at the big schools who have the tools and the talent, they just, for whatever reason, aren't seeing the field, whether it's because of their grades or the guys in front of them are McDonald's All-Americans, all these ridiculous things they make up now to make players sound good. Okay, I got, I got a junior and a senior ahead of me, so I'm not going to see the field at Alabama or at TCU for two years. I'm going to go to UTEP and be all-conference, and all of a sudden people are going to going to recognize me, establish a pipeline with the other universities, the big ones in this state, which is the, the biggest in the country. If you get a pipeline going with them, right, and, and, and you don't have your, your TV contract, yeah, we don't really have TV, we have streaming, blah, 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 but your kid's going to play right away. And then you could use players like Jacob Cowing as an example. So come here, have us win the conference title. You want to transfer to... He just ASU had four touchdowns or against USC. You want to transfer to Notre Dame? Where that's fine, but you got us that conference title. So UTEP has to get in the mindset of 
we win now, and then they move on. Win now. Same with coaches. Get the up-and-coming coach, coach who needs to be a head coach somewhere. He has to have it on his resume. Yeah. Probably won't cost you a lot, right? You get that up-and-comer who's a coordinator. He's going to come here for one or two years, do, do his thing, and then move on. You want to be known as the springboard. Don't get tied up into that Don Haskins be here for 50 years type thing. Those days are over. So if you're asking me what, what, what I would do if I were at UTEP, that's where I would start with a pipeline, first of all, to all the other big schools. You got a player who can't make it? Listen, I got a spot for him here at UTEP. Playing time. Starts playing with, for playing time. Right. It starts with the kids that you bring in here. That, that's yeah. where I think it starts. And I'm not saying the guys that UTEP has, has now just aren't yeah, good yeah. players, but you don't have enough of them. Let's throw our co-host UTEP saying to this right here. He's, got, he's very yeah. opinionated about UTEP. Yeah, go ahead. Let's hear it. Go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, I heard you guys talking about location. I'm going to go against that. I think location, it does deal, you know, UTEP really can't go into, you know, East Texas and go recruit just as good as teams like UTSA, stuff like that. But I don't think location is as big as it once was. We saw Ronnie Terry go out and get some of the best talent UTEP has ever seen. You're talking about four stars, you know, high three stars. You're talking about those guys. Whoa, 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 wait, we're talking about basketball here? Mm-hmm. Okay, did Terry win with that team? They got yeah, bounced in the first and round. That's the issue. They right? should have. Uh, okay, so that means Terry couldn't coach him. He can recruit him, but he couldn't coach him. Now he goes to Texas, and he's got 15 top-quality players. Can he it's coach him? To the lead eight. Okay, so that you see what I'm saying? That's team, though. That's my exact point. So, Yutep Zay, you're making my point for me. He was able to recruit those kids here, just couldn't coach him. And he didn't have 14 of them. What do you have, three? We have Bryson Williams, good player. Sule Boom, right. NCAA tournament last year, FU DJ, All-American. Okay. This could have been a very good team at UTEP. Okay, so whatever reason, he couldn't coach him. I, I hear what you're saying, but how does New Mexico State do it? Have you guys been to a game at NMSU? No, but NMSU finds Wait themselves a in the Wait a Have you the... been to a game at New Mexico State? So they get the game. crowd more involved. It's a completely different environment. It's a completely different environment. So now you're a kid, and you're coming here on your recruiting trip. You're going to stop at UTEP. And Coach Kill wants to talk to you over at Las Cruces. Okay, so you come well, to Coach Kill's coach big-time college football. That's got nothing to do with it. I get off the plane, right? I come through the airport. I come down airway. I come to UTEP, and I see what I see here. Then I go to maybe a, Friday night fo- uh, a Saturday night UTEP football game before I go meet Coach Kill the following week or whatever it might be. And I go to the UTEP games, and there's 50,000 seats there. They have a nice crowd, but it looks empty because there's 50,000 seats there. Then I go to New Mexico State. And I got the guys on the horses, the dog going out and picking up the, the tea. I've got a true college crowd with real tailgating, right? It's a college atmosphere. What are you most likely, which college are you more likely to choose? Well, last year, Judy Zinwa is a tight end from Mount Sac. He took <laughs> officials visits to NMSU and UTEP. He ends up committing to UTEP. So I just don't think I'm not saying nobody does it, dude. I'm just saying, okay, (laughs) if you're asking me that that that's what you need to do. How does NMSU do it? That team's two wins away from a bowl game. Three again. They got five wins. They need seven. They have four wins. They got four wins? Do they They, have four wins? They got five wins. I think they have five. They're two wins away from a bowl game. Anyway. Do we have a caller, Zay? So that Okay. Okay, so that's they're two wins shy. Remember, they need the seven wins. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? Seven. Okay. So they need the seven wins. They're two wins away. Yeah. Okay. And, and they spanked UTEP. And look at that game for a second. That's a 7 7. It was the most boring first they half got five I've wins. ever seen in my life. They got five wins. Five wins. So two wins away. They, 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 that first half was as boring a football game as I've ever seen. 7 7. Okay. Then NMSU made the adjustments at half, scored on their first three possessions, right? And they won the game. 
You don't think that's going to help with recruiting? It obviously Between will. UTEP and NMSU? I think UTEP will. and New Mexico State roster-wise are very similar. It's just that halftime adjustments that Jerry Kill and his staff were able to make are very different than UTEP was able to make. UTEP, they had that touchdown the first half off one big run, terrible play call in the rest of the half. That's how they got lucky. Okay. They tried to run the ball in the second <laughs> okay. half, and they couldn't do it. Okay. Well, yeah, that's okay, the issue, right? You're, you're looking at it like this. UTEP I mean, stuck with the same thing, thinking they're fine with 7-7. No, New Mexico State was dominating them that first half. UTEP got lucky, blocked a field goal at the end of that first half, made 7-7. Right, right, but but, but the, the, there's a bigger picture than just this past uh, Wednesday night's game, which is a whole other thing. Yeah. How do you get a Coaching. parent to come watch yeah. you on Wednesday night? Yeah, living in Louisiana, or whatever. On a Wednesday night, how am I supposed to get this back to work? Tonight? But I think anyhow, get some more exposure because you're on national TV. Okay, that's not national TV. You're on national TV is the four networks. ABC, that's ABC CBS, Survivor, Price is Right, Wheel of Fortune. That's national TV. UTEP played on a channel you have to pay for, so it's not national TV. It's more exposure, though. Yeah, it's more exposure, but they lost. For someone who wants to gamble, they're going to say, oh, we got this Wednesday night college football game. <laughs> right. We're going to tune into that game. Right, right. We're going to bet on Cam McConnell half over in passing yards. Okay, but back to UTEP's situation. Okay, number one, it's the recruiting. Number two, you've got to pay these kids. Okay, if you're on the fence with a kid who, right, let's pretend you're one of them. It was, is it Lane? You're Lane, you're Jer- Jerry? Jamie. Jamie. Okay, so Jamie, you're one of those kids. And you're mid-major... Southern Mississippi, hey, man, it's not a lot, but I can get you five grand doing a car commercial, whatever it might be. Okay, UTEP has to get to that point, and that comes to your boosters and your community. And I just don't see the community dollars-wise. How, do you guys remember when North Texas was the, the team you couldn't wait to play just a few years ago, 2014, 15? You couldn't I'm wait to play. That. Okay, you couldn't wait to play North Texas. That was the game. You're going to get your stats up. A year later, they're conference champs. Can you explain that? Good coach. Other conference USA teams. Rebuild. You can say dollars. You can say why is random dollars. <laughs> you can say why is <laughs> random conference USA team was a championship. Why is UAB, Western Kentucky, win it and not UTEP? What's dollars. <laughs> we gotta go to break in a second. But I agree <laughs> with you. <laughs> Florida International. They're playing with a Lamborghini on the field. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see that UTEP. <laughs> we gotta go to break. We'll be back here in a second right. on Sports Talk. In the El Paso Metroplex, a couple of rough spots remain. First of all, Gateway South of McKinley has the PD there. Was with injury, the uh, tow truck there, Gateway South of McKinley, so give them extra room. Also, where are we tapping the brakes? Tapping the brakes, I did spaghetti both through Chelsea, but especially at Reynolds, stacked up right there, your bumper to bumper. That traffic going to the America's Port of Entry, stacked up right now. This subject brought to my deals restaurant, 7520 Rimcon. Leo's has a full-service bar, the famous tortilla soup. Home of the first of I thank you for choosing Leo's. Leo's Restaurant, 7520 Rimcon, Charlie 1600, ESPN El Paso. Here we go, Sports Talk fans. And now our 5 o'clock hour to end today's show. Had Lou Romano on basically this whole hour. He's been great. We're going to have him right here. Lou, let's close out. Give me your World Series prediction. 
Rangers, Phillies. Rangers, Phillies. I have the Rangers winning that series. Who do you have winning? Rangers. Me too. Thank you for coming on. This is amazing having this sport debate with you. Still more to come on Sports Talk. Hey, you got my number. Whenever you're ready, say hi to Teich for me. Of course. Okay, bye guys. Thank you. And Zay, do we have Teich? Ready? Yes, I'm here. Can. I'm Third. here. I'm here. I'm here. Lane, can Thank you hear me? You. Yep, we can hear you. <laughs> Zay, I'll let you kick it off with John Teich. Voice of minor football. John, 500. You recently surpassed 500 games. I asked Tim a similar uh, question earlier. Is there any game in, in particular that people just don't think about that you just think about almost daily? You wake up and you're like, wow, that game was actually insane. Well, you know, again, I, I go back. One of my favorites was the, the 85 game against BYU, who was the defending national champion at the time. And uh, the game was played in late October. UTEP had not won a game, had been uh, beaten soundly the week before at uh, Kent State in a non-conference game. And BYU came into the Sun Bowl and the Miners beat UTEP. And Danny Taylor, who still coaches and teaches here in El Paso, uh, Danny Taylor picked off a pass in the uh, right at the goal line in the uh, north end zone and ran down the sideline in front of the Miner bench. And I can still see it, 100 yards. And uh, the Miners won that game 23-16. to to 16. It would be the only game UTEP won that year. They finished the year in Australia playing Wyoming in the uh, first-ever college football game played in Australia. And it was just uh, it was an incredible year, and, uh, and that, was, uh, that was the only game UTEP won, go figure, against the defending uh, national champs. And obviously there have been others over the years, but uh, that one, you know, certainly stands out and again i can still visualize uh, i can still visualize it would you consider that the best win in utep football history oh i don't know that i, I you know I, I don't know that you can consider it a, a, a win uh, the only win in a particular season the best win in the history of the program and you know i've only seen the last 43 years i missed the first 63 so yeah it'd, it'd be hard for me to to make that statement for sure. So let me get your outlook on the rest of this season for UTEP, obviously at 2-6 and uh, six right now. Let me hear your outlook on how the rest of the season you think can shape out. Well, it's going to be challenging, uh, Lane, because uh, of the four games they have left, three are going to be against bowl teams from uh, a year ago, Liberty and Western Kentucky uh, among them. And, uh, again, UTEP's playing shorthanded. I mean, they're playing with a number four quarterback, and we love Cade, and we love what he's doing. I love Cade. But uh, obviously he was the number four quarterback when the season started. They're playing without their top receiver, Tyron Smith, who was a 1,000-yard receiver uh, a year ago. They're playing without Marcus Bellin, who's their punt returner, and and another uh, one of their top four receivers, in fact, probably in their top three. And then they're playing without uh, one of their starting offensive linemen as well. So, you know, obviously every team has injuries. But uh, UTEP's got some key ones at some vital uh, positions. So, you know, it's going to be challenging. We'll see what the guys uh, have left. Uh, maybe the uh, the schedule will bring out the best in them. I think this season could have maybe gone a little bit differently from the minors. Say everyone had been healthy, not so much formal at the quarterback position. Things definitely could have been different. But one last thing I want to get from right here. There's new Wednesday night football games for Conference USA. It's getting more attention for UTEP, even more attention for you. You know, there was a Bleacher Report post the other day posting about all your accomplishments all the games you've had in your career. So what is your thoughts on, you know, UTEP playing on Wednesday Night Football? Is that a different approach for you as an announcer, or is it all about the same? Yeah, it just kind of screws up the week because uh, for me, for instance, today is is Monday. 
It's Monday. It's mm-hmm. the start of the week with the, with the game uh, next Wednesday. So the, the days don't fe- exactly feel the same because what you're doing is different on the various days. But I think it's really good for the conference, and I think it's good for the programs in the conference because it gets them exposure that uh, otherwise they wouldn't be getting on a crowded Saturday of college football when you're one of maybe three games that's played on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and you've got that stage pretty much to yourself, uh, I think it's a good thing for the league and for the league's program. So I, I look at that as, uh, as a big positive. Yeah, I do too. Zay, you want any last thoughts right here for John Teicher? Yeah, John, uh, this is your third straight year doing a Week 0 game. UTEP has played in Week 0 three straight years. Um, are you a fan? Do you like the Week 0 approach? Um, obviously, it was kind of tough on UTEP. They played six straight games before, I think it was October. So, you know, how, how has Week 0 been for you? I think Week 0 is fine. I, I, I don't like playing a conference game in your season opener simply because, obviously, it's the same for both teams. But I think... I think that's a, a big challenge. I'd like to leave conference play for later on. But I have no problem with the uh, the week zero game, particularly if it gets you a second bye week during the, the season itself, and it has for uh, for UTEP, and I think that's a good thing. So, yeah, I think the week zero game is, uh, is, is just fine, particularly because the NFL is not going at that point. The NFL usually doesn't start until the second week of uh, – September, so I think it's uh, it's a good thing when you can when you can play games when fewer teams, whether it be collegiate or the NFL, are playing and 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 don't have to share the stage. Again, some football in August always what we like to see, especially with UTEP past three seasons. Thank you so much for doing this. You bet, Lane. Good job, buddy. Thank you. All right, Sport Talk fans, that about ends our show for today. I'm Lane Frank. He's UTEP Zay across from me. Zay, you want anything to our show today? Nope, fun show. You guys had some heated debates. It For was, sure. Uh, very entertaining. Definitely a little off script like last time, but great time. Steve Kaplitz, Adrian Bross, they'll be back here on Monday with you. I'm Lynn Frank. He's Uteb Zay. We're signing off.